Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. <laughs> yeah, those are real strawberries. Mm-hmm. Strawberry's my favorite. You guys aren't playing around. I'm Robin Sussingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm, The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Before they opened their renowned and upscale Burns Steakhouse in 1956, Gert and Burn Laxer dreamed about having an ice cream shop. More than a half century later, the couple's vision has come to life. We take you on a visit to Little Midway. Then, we get a little taste of Spain at the Dali Museum's Café. Hey, come meet us in person. The Zest will be doing a live taping of a conversation with honeybee experts. It's Sunday, November 10th at 2 p.m. at Sweetwater Organic Community Farm in Tampa. We'll have lots of different kinds of local honey for you to taste. Green Bench Brewing Company will be there with samples of their mead. You can find all the details at thezestpodcast.com or at the Zest Podcast Facebook page. Support for the Zest Podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods. Like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. In August, the Burns family of restaurants debuted Little Midway, an ice cream and dessert parlor whose name pays homage to the humble sandwich cafe that the couple once operated. Little Midway is located right across the street from Burns Steakhouse in South Tampa, and its menu includes signature dishes from Burns' swanky dessert room, along with some new items. Shortly after Little Midway opened, producer Delia Colon and I stopped by for a tour with pastry chef Heather Burr. So Burn and Gert dreamed of having an ice cream shop, and now you all have made their dream come true. What can people find here? So this is the first time that the macadamia nut ice cream is for sale. So that's one of our signature things that we um, brought over with us. Um, so you can come into the shop and purchase a pint. We heard about the macadamia nut ice cream on our Burns tour. Remember, that's a really popular item. So these are actually some of the desserts that are found in the dessert room at Burns right across the street? Correct. Some of them we made into a smaller, more grab-and-go style. That way, if you are unable to get into the dessert room, you can come here and still get those same classic desserts and take them home. Tell me about the ice cream, because I think people are thinking of this as an ice cream parlor, Mm -hmm. right? Do you make the ice cream here? Do you get it from somewhere else? Where's the ice cream come from? We don't purchase anything. All of our ice creams and our flavors are all from fresh fruit, fresh ingredients. There isn't a single thing that we purchase, so everything is made from scratch. The things in the pastry case look amazing. Thank you. Can you just kind of paint a picture for us? What's what's for sale here today? Sure. So there are three tiers of this dessert case. On the top, we have some cookie sandwiches. 
On the middle tier, we started doing mason jar desserts, so different components of um, a full dessert that you could find at Burns, but in a mason jar style. And then on the bottom, we have some of our celebration cakes that you can come in and either purchase a whole cake and take it home, or you can purchase a slice. So what's in a mason jar? Um, So the ones we currently have right now are the s'mores brownie. So we have a graham cracker creme brulee base, and then we have milk chocolate brownies and a fresh marshmallow fluff on top. And then you just got a traditional ice cream counter, right? We do. So we offer actually 15 flavors of ice cream, but we currently only have 12 in rotation. So we are able to have some variety and switch flavors in and out. Currently, our flavors that are in rotation right now are apple pie, the macadamia nut, we have blueberry lemon swirl, a milk chocolate. We do have a non-dairy option for anybody with any dietary needs to dairy. It is vanilla coconut. We have a pineapple upside down, cookies and cream, strawberry, coffee, vanilla bean, dark chocolate, and watermelon sorbet. What's the most popular flavor? Obviously the macadamia nut is the most popular, but one of ours that is just too little midway, the apple pie and the pineapple upside down are two most popular ones right now. So do you do sprinkles and mix-ins and all those complicated stuff? We do. So we have about 15 as well different um, toppings for you to choose from, or you can just get straight ice cream. Even though you do the fun mix-ins and the sort of Instagram-worthy ice cream sundaes and those sorts of things, at its heart, it seems like this is just a traditional no-frills ice cream parlor. And I've noticed more and more for lack of a better word, basic diners and things like that making a comeback. What is it about just a no-frills ice cream parlor that resonates today? Personally, for me, sometimes I think you need to go back to the beginning and how things all started. I know sometimes people can come up with crazy concoctions of flavors, but, you know, it all started from the classics. And I feel like that has now just come back into today's generation, and they're making their debut again. And families can come here and bring their kids in and not get confused. You know, they know what to expect. It's a simple, simple concept. Um, Visually, it is beautiful. Thank you. Tell me what's the story behind the design and all the colors and the pink. I love it. So we wanted to have that nostalgic feel from the 50s and 60s. So you'll see a lot of like nostalgic sodas from that era. Some of the ice cream flavors as well with like plain strawberry and vanilla bean. Then we have some like retro toasters and little um, neon signs. So those all just tie in the decor of that 1950s, 1960s feel that we're going for. So I see you've got some pints of ice cream for sale in the cooler over there. Mm -hmm. People are going to be able to buy these in the store or only here? Only here. It will be the four flavors that we have currently, but they will rotate as well seasonally. I guess you'll always have macadamia nuts. Yep, that that one will never leave us. I love that, though, because Mm -hmm. there are times when you feel like getting dressed up and and Mm -hmm. making a big to-do and going to the dessert room, but maybe you're just craving that macadamia nut ice cream without all the the fuss of a night out at Burns. No mascara. (laughs) Yeah, you can go home and eat it on the couch. (laughs) No one will judge you. So you say you make the ice cream here? Yeah, so we make everything from scratch. There isn't anything that we purchase. So all of our ice creams are a two-day process. So the first day we're actually cooking them, bringing them up to a certain temperature, and then they cool overnight to form all of those flavors. And then the next day they go into an ice cream machine. Can you show us the kitchen? Sure. Everything looks so nice and brand new. 
look at those waffle cones. So you make the waffle cones. Yep. Okay. We don't buy anything. Everything is all handmade by our very small team. Well, I guess if you're paying tribute to Burn and Gert Laxer, mm -hmm. you really would have to do everything top shelf, made from scratch. If they walked in today, I think they would be proud of it. I would certainly hope so. Um, everybody who's been on this project has done an amazing job to um, make us be successful so quickly. And I hope that we're able to keep that going and give our clientele what they're looking for. Where is the ice cream churn? Like, where, where's the ice cream maker? And where's the spoon? <laughs> These are our two ice cream machines. So you would cook the ice cream on day one. The second day you would pour it into the ice cream machine and it'll churn it inside of the cylinder inside. It'll incorporate air and um, cooling temperatures and then it'll come out of the bottom to create the ice cream that you know that you can eat. So we have somebody pouring a liquid into one of these machines right now. <laughs> What's your name? Michael. Hey Michael, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to spin the homemade vanilla that we get, that we do. Oh, vanilla, and it looks beautiful. And I saw some dark specks. I'm imagining that's vanilla bean. Correct. So that's another thing. We don't use a lot of extracts. A lot of things are all from real fresh ingredients. So vanilla bean is one of them. Did you cook this first? What was the process of making the, the base for that ice cream? Uh, yeah, yesterday we made an anglaise with it, with the eggs and the sugar and all the uh, milk and cream and then you let it sit in the cooler for 24 hours and then spin it the second day. Could you just eat that anglaise before you even freeze it because it sounds amazing? I suppose you could, but it'd be really hot. <laughs> and then do you just add chocolate flavoring to that to give you chocolate, things like that? Um, if we were making a chocolate one, we would pour the anglaise over the chocolate so then it melts it and then it becomes incorporated together and then that would sit for the next day. What do you use for your chocolate? Um, so all of our chocolate is from France. It's from Valrona. So we have a wide variety of different flavors, all the way from white chocolate to the darkest of dark chocolates. And we also have sugar-free options as well. And we even get some specialty chocolate from them. So currently right now we have one that is strawberry. Sounds fantastic. You have two of these ice cream machines. Yes, so we actually make all of the ice cream on property for our company. So we provide it to Haven, Burns and ourselves. So in order to keep up with that capacity, we have two machines. So how long are you keeping the ice cream after you make it? It honestly doesn't sit for more than a day. For Burns, they're only in gallon containers. And typically on any given day, there's 600 plus people. There's only 30 scoops in a gallon. So it's gone within a few hours. So that's pretty fresh you're keeping. Oh, yes. Does that make a difference? I think it does. I think when you taste our ice creams, you can tell the difference between things that are made from frozen or pureed fruits rather than fresh fruits or extracts or concentrates. Do you have any tips for people at home who come in to buy a pint and want to keep it tasting as fresh as possible at home? For me, I would say to try to consume it as soon as possible. As soon as you pop that lid, obviously the air is going to incorporate with it. For a pint, I think anybody is able to eat it one serving. Just put on Netflix, <laughs> yeah, get a spoon, and you're good. <laughs> I like that advice. <laughs> yeah, that's our advice, Celia. We just need to eat it. Once we pop the lid, that's yeah, it. You just got to eat it. You got to clear your schedule. And For me, if the lid doesn't go back on, that's a single serve. That's right. <laughs>
What's going on over here? Um, so this is Nadia. She is actually making our banana cheese pie, which is one of the signature desserts at Burns that we brought with us as well to make into a miniature. We learned about that on our tour. Do you remember the I banana do. cheese pie? We yeah. had a tour with Chef Hab. Banana cheese pie. Mm -hmm. So that's actually one of the second most popular things other than the macadamia nut ice cream. So we had to bring that with us as well so people can get that grab-and-go style. I think there's only one thing left to do. We Try need things. samples. <laughs> Try things. Twist my arm. <laughs> so this is the vanilla ice cream. Delicious. Very vanilla. Very creamy. Very smooth. And I think we get some of that um, vanilla bean. How about the macadamia nut? Oh, yeah, the big, the famous one. The big seller. Yes. I can see why it's a it's a hit. Very big, yeah. What's your favorite? <laughs> so the strawberry is actually my favorite. I think you can really tell the difference that we use fresh fruit. So refreshing. And you know what? This neighborhood is so walkable. On a mild day, you could just take an ice cream cone and go walk down to Bayshore, mm -hmm. look for dolphins. I got to come back here with my kids. Yeah. So a lot of people have been coming on their strolls with their dogs and we actually offer dog treats. So it brings in a lot of like family clientele as they're just like walking through on their nightly walks. Strawberry's my favorite. Same. Mmm. <laughs> yeah, those are real strawberries. Mm -hmm. Strawberry's my favorite. You guys aren't playing around. Wow. And I never thought I was a strawberry ice cream person, but that is really so we good. Like cut up all of the strawberries fresh. And then we cook them, and we puree them, and then they get blended right into the ice cream. We can tell. You know what? I love this because it still has that standard of excellence that you would expect from Burns, but way more casual. I would never bring my seven-year-old to Burns, but we could totally come here and have a good time. Now what's she getting? <laughs> well, she said there were 15 flavors. <laughs> How much time do you have? This is non-dairy. I oh. do eat mostly vegan. So you do? Yeah, but today is not, not that today. day. <laughs> so this is non-dairy vanilla? Uh, non-dairy vanilla coconut. Non-dairy vanilla coconut. That's super good. And I was very wary, but I love coconut. I can't tell that it's non-dairy. And if she didn't like it, she would tell you. <laughs> yeah, I would. That's good. I like the honesty. <laughs> so it's actually made from straight coconut milk. And that's the creaminess. Mm -hmm. Love it. But there's more. <laughs> so this will be the last one. Just I don't want to make you guys sick. But this is the apple pie ice cream. So again, Burns has an apple pie. I turned it into an ice cream. So it's a cinnamon sugar-based ice cream. And then we cook real apples, real fresh green apples with caramel. And then we make an apple pie filling and then mix it into the ice cream base. If you like apple pie a la mode, which is my favorite dessert, this is it. This is the whole thing in one. You get the apple pie and the ice cream. Mm -hmm. So you get little chunks of apple in there. You'll get some pieces of caramel. And then obviously the cinnamon and sugar all incorporate that together. It's all those fall flavors that we love in a Florida-friendly mm -hmm. package. Mm -hmm. oh, will you change out for fall and anything you do, especially for fall? Um, we will. So we're actually in like the research and development stage of making some seasonal flavors. If you need any <laughs> help with research and development, our initials are R&D, so we are available. <laughs> Well, Heather, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming. I hope you guys enjoyed it.
Heather Burr is the pastry chef at Little Midway, the new dessert parlor from Burns Steakhouse. If you missed our all-access tour of Burns, you can go back and listen. It's on Episode 6. Chef de Cuisine, Hab Hamde, takes me through every nook and cranny of the restaurant and gives us some great advice for grilling a better steak. The Salvador Dali Museum in St. Petersburg contains more than 2,400 works by that artist. And the museum's restaurant, Café Gala, pays homage to Dali's native Spain, with menu items like serrano ham salad, Spanish omelet, and sangria. The museum chef, Chuck Bandel, recently cooked his way through Spain, refining his techniques at Michelin star restaurants. Chef Chuck is also an accomplished photographer, and the Dali Museum has turned his food photos into a mouth-watering exhibition called Flavors of Spain. Our producer, Dalia Colon, visited the museum for a conversation with Chef Chuck and with the cafe's manager, Jennifer Fletcher. When we talk about flavors of Spain or flavor profiles, what are the key ingredients? Fresh and light and lots of um, sherries and olive oils and garlic and uh, herbs. What was your favorite thing you ate when you were there? The seafood. It was the most amazing seafood. There's a little cafe on the water and they, I would watch them get delivered seafood just enough for the day. So everything was made that day and fresh and it was just amazing. And it was just finished on a plancha with a little olive oil, garlic and herbs. And it was the most delicious seafood I ever had. And I still think about it to this day. Jennifer, you've been sitting here quietly, but we've got to talk about Dali. We're at the Dali Museum. Tell me a little bit about the exhibition and the role that food played in Dali's work. Chuck's exhibition, again, it shows all the flavors of Spain that he um, photographed while visiting twice to learn all his new techniques. But the um, food that Dali evokes in his paintings vary from eggs to cauliflower to different expressions of his home life and his childhood. Um, The cauliflower is um, basically a spiral that represents the perfect ratio, or also known as the golden ratio. There is a painting, Nature Mort Vivante, uh, still life fast moving. Um, he also, his most famous one would be eggs on a plate um, without a plate, which is kind of a play on words. But the, the most known one would be um, Persistence of Memory, which was from a dream of his own, of the French camembert running as it sat in the sun. And that's the famous painting of the melting clock. Correct. He really, really tries to blend food in a unique and surrealist way. And we try to exemplify his desire for pleasures of taste in the cafe. Ooh, pleasures of taste. Love that. Chef Chuck, did you find yourself eating differently when you were in Spain? Yes. Lots of small plates. And like I said, uh, the region I was in was uh, the seafood was just the best in the world. And uh, lots of charcuterie and sausages and gazpacho i fell in love with gazpacho our recipe for gazpacho comes from a three-star michelin restaurant in uh la sarte which is outside of san sebastian uh, martin barasagis and it's delicious and he gave me the recipe so i'm very thankful for that gazpacho and florida are like a perfect pairing because it's so dang hot here all the time so nothing like a a cold soup 
I was looking at your photographs. People may not realize, but this exhibition, a collection of the photos that you took while working in these Michelin star restaurants in Spain, and they're gorgeous. Tell me about your photography background. I mean, it seems like cooking is your art, but you also have some other artistic talents. Photography goes well with being a chef because you want to photograph your dishes and I'm self-taught. It was definitely a steep learning curve. But eventually, I, I got to a point where I could take a decent photo, I think, and I'm able to document my progression in my culinary career. So I, it's just the perfect match, I believe. Why do you think food has such a strong role in art, the art of Dali and other people? I mean, how many, from The Last Supper to so many other famous works of art, incorporate food? Why is that? Well, I think it's about an expression of emotion from looking at a plate of food and, and enjoying it or feasting on it with your eyes to that first bite of a, of a new uh, spice or a new cuisine you've never had before, it really, really brings to the emotion a, a basic feeling of inspiration, of, of trying and opening your mind to something that you may not have thought you would have enjoyed, but do. All righty, well, Chef Chuck, you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't bring samples. So what did you bring for us today? Well, today I brought uh, melon salmorejo, which is southern Spain's version of gazpacho. But instead of tomatoes, this one's made with melon. Traditionally, it's served with bits of jamón and hard-boiled egg. But this one is served with bits of jamón, uh, spiced pumpkin seeds, compressed melon, um, and burrata to add a little more creaminess to it. It's so beautiful when you say melon are you talking cantaloupe it has that beautiful kind of soft orange color this one is a sugar kissed melon it's a lot juicier and sweeter than a cantaloupe it's so inviting the color that that orangey color is just so inviting it's, it's one of my favorite discoveries from my recent trip thanks for bringing it back let's dig in mmm I don't know what I was expecting. Right? It's got the sweetness of the melon, but there's more to it than that. What am I tasting? It's got a little bit of saltiness. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple dish. It's literally melon, tomato, bread, olive oil, salt. That's it. Oh, so there's actually bread in it that's kind of uh, right in the mix. And smooth. Right. It's smooth, but there's actually bread incorporated into the soup. Right. That's what gives it its thickness. Oh, it's very simple, but it's very elegant, in my opinion. This is great because it's unexpected. It's not the gazpacho that people might be used to or familiar with, but it's still a dish that you could serve to company. You could make ahead of time, which is always a plus. Correct. Um, actually, it's better the next day when all the flavors come together. Love that. All right, what else am I seeing? Let's switch this bowl out. Ooh, what do we have here? This is the pesto recipe that I gave you. Very simple. Like all my dishes are very simple, but they have a lot of flavor, a lot of flavor uh, combinations going on. And this is a version of our break bread with dolly, which is grilled bread, pesto, and on the full version, we serve with olives as well. Give it a try. I think I will. Let's dig in. It's bright green, almost like a pea green. And so we're just going to dip the bread in here. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I love traditional pesto. 
When I saw that arugula was one of the ingredients, I kind of was like, I don't love arugula. It's too bitter. But that's not what I'm getting. What is in this that's kind of muting that bitterness that a lot of us are afraid of in arugula? Well, we have uh, lemon zest to give it a, a brightness. In this version, there's actually two types of cheese, Idizabal and Manchego. And then the, the sliced almonds just bring it to a nice, smooth texture when it's all blended. And I think it's great with bread. Can't wait to make this myself at home. It's very elegant, but yeah, very simple to make. That's what we like. Well, Jennifer and Chef Chuck of Cafe Gala at the Dali Museum, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Dalia Cologne speaking with Chef Chuck Vandell and Jennifer Fletcher at the Dali Museum's Cafe. You can see Chef Chuck's food photography on display at the museum through December 1st. The exhibition Flavors of Spain is free and open to the public. Several menu items at the cafe make use of Chef Chuck's arugula almond pesto. You can find his recipe on our website, thezestpodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find us on Instagram at The Zest Podcast. I'm Robin Sussingham. Dalia Cologne and I produce The Zest with help from Megan Trimble, Mark Hayes, and Craig George. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. 